All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Movie Talks and Chill. We are your hosts. I'm Tony Serrato. I have Gavin Butts. And I'm Patrick Wall. And in this episode, we're doing uh, having a special little interview with a local film commissioner of the St. Pete Clearwater area, uh, Miss Tony Armour. He's going to be joining us here in a second. Um, so we're going to be doing an interview with him, talking about his works, his career, and a little bit about some upcoming things for not only him, but also Movie Talks and Chill. Uh, so we're going to be getting this uh, meeting going here in just a moment. Uh, Gavin, how's your day been in between? Uh, you know, you know, it's uh, pretty much same usual stuff. Yeah. You know, uh, talking about movies and you know. didn't watch any movies at work. Uh, uh, unfortunately, not. I can't right now. Good answer. <laughs> People can hear us. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like our bosses. Yeah. If yes. my boss tunes into this, I did not watch a single movie today. <laughs> I was not doing that. <clears throat> Silly man. I was not watching the Emperor's New Groove for the one millionth time. <laughs> <laughs> and this actually a history for making history for movie talk and chill. The first time we're doing an actual Zoom meeting recording here. So yes. let's see how this goes. <laughs> this should be fun. Hey, there he is. Hey Tony, nice. how you doing? Good, how's it going? Good, good, man. We uh we kicked off the the uh, interview episode here, so we just want to introduce everybody to you. Uh, so, if you want to just introduce yourself, give us a little background as to who Tony Armour is. Well, <laughs> nobody interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm Tony Armour, and I'm the film commissioner for St. Pete Clearwater, which is uh, all of Pinellas County and all 24 cities in Pinellas County here in the Tampa Bay area. Um, been film commissioner for about eight years now, and prior to that. I've been a award-winning filmmaker and producer and a little bit of everything over the years. Uh, taught film as a adjunct professor, University of Tampa, Art Institute of Tampa. I founded the Sunscreen Film Festival in 2005. And so that is now going into its 17th year here in St. Pete and uh, have done a little bit of everything from PA to you name it on a set over the last 20, uh, 20 years or so. Oh, that's a that's a long list there, sir. And I was keeping it short. I was keeping it short for you. I don't want to ramble on too much. No, no, no. They, that's what's here for. Everybody hears us talk all the time. So you know, we want to hear what you have to say on things. So um, that was first. I just wanted to, you know, introduce everybody to you know what what you do, uh, kind of a little bit about your career. Um, wanted to ask you a little bit. You mentioned the Sunscreen Film Festival. Uh, you said it's been about what 17 years? No? Yeah, 17 years this year. So April 28th to May 1st, 2022 here will be year 17. It's hard to believe it's been that long. Oh, I know, right? Uh, well, going back a little bit real quick, uh, and then I'll give the guys a chance to ask some questions as we go through here. Um, what year did you start? What was your first job in, in film? My first job in film. So back in the late 90s, 97, 98-ish, I decided I to dabble in acting, so sort of as an actor. And so I did a few different projects. I was an extra in a TV pilot called Automatic Avenue that shot in downtown St. Pete back in like 1997. And it starred uh, Billy Campbell, who was in The Rocketeer, that uh, many people remember, um, okay. from 91 or 92, whenever that film came out. And so that was one of the very first things. I was also an extra as a beach football player, just throwing a football in the background for a Hulk Hogan movie. Um, <laughs> McKinsey's Island, and that was back in, you know, like 97, 98 or something like that, too. And that all shot in this area. Uh 
a few, you know, kind of little little things like uh, little things like that. Oh, and uh, and then one of the the biggest set that I had worked on up to that point, then two thousand three, I think it was, I was Thomas Jane's photo double for a bunch of days on the Punisher when that shot here. So there are some scenes in the Punisher where you see like the Punisher's hands with a grinder working on the car as he's redoing the car. And those are actually my hands instead of Thomas Jane's. Uh, working <laughs> That's on awesome. Nice. That's actually going to be one of working my, on the car. You my only claim to fame in a Marvel movie is being the Punisher's hands. <laughs> <laughs> That's further than most people get. Yeah. <laughs> that is the best Punisher movie. So good on you. It is. It really is. I like that one quite a bit. Absolutely. Um, do you have anything right now, or do you? I was actually going to ask about the two major films that were filmed in Tampa Bay, and if you had worked on any of those movies. One of them being The Punisher, because I remember when I was in college, they were trying to get extras in downtown Tampa for that big scene where he throws the money out the window and trying to get everybody yeah. to grab it. <clears throat> but um, another movie that comes to mind is Spring Breakers, that was filmed in St. Pete in 2012. Were you involved in that project at all? Yeah, no, I didn't work on Spring Breakers at all. So that was 2012, like you said, and I didn't, um, I was kind of on the outskirts, didn't do, didn't have anything to do with that one at that time. And then, of course, you know, we had Dolphin Tail in 2010 mm -hmm. is when that shot. And then the second one shot in 2013 or 14. Um, and so, you know, wasn't really involved with those. When I actually came on board as film commissioner, uh, took part in the premiere out in LA for Dolphin Tale 2 when that happened because that came out just in my first year as a as film commissioner then. Oh, that's awesome. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And then we did have the uh, the Brian Cranston film The Infiltrator also shot in like 2014 and then Tim Burton's Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children that shot in 2015. So that was fun because I actually got to interact and hang out a little bit with, uh, with Tim Burton on that one. So that was a cool experience. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that movie was shot here. Yeah, yeah there's it, it takes place primarily in Wales in the UK, and that's where most of it's shot. But there's a whole Florida section, and that Florida stuff was all shot uh, in the Tampa Bay area. Oh, that's awesome. And I was, uh, I saw not that long ago um, on some site you were working or you were on set of uh, one of the films being done. I think it was near Caddies or something recently. Was that more recently? Um, or it was, it was like a news a news thing going on with you you were, you were oh there. right yeah yeah down at the hurricane uh hurricane, yeah. Grill beach area yeah so it was a, a lifetime channel film called spring break nightmare uh that was <laughs> shooting down there that uh and so we've had a whole bunch of those small lifetime channel hallmark channel type films shooting over the past you know six months or so it's been that's kind of everything that we've had because that's you know without a state film incentive for florida that's what we're going to get are these small projects but better to have small projects than no projects oh absolutely oh, I mean, it just it helps more and more just keep this area, you know, on the mark, you know, keep it on the yeah. radar for everything. And uh, um, a quick question I have about this is in your experiences since your long career with this and being in this area, um, have like what would you see you've seen the growth in the area in, in the film market? Like not only just whether it's movies produced here or people based out of here out of this area like have you seen a, a large growth like what does that look like from your perspective yeah it's been interesting when you know i'll go back to like 2005 when first started the sunscreen film festival the whole reason we started that festival is because i had shot my first feature film in 2004 and it was terrible you know and something <laughs> you don't want anyone to ever ever see um but you know it then becomes one of those things was like well how do i meet people in the industry around here like who's around here you know, how do you, how do you meet people? How do you meet people in LA? And how do you, you know, 
do something in this business without having to move to Los Angeles. And so I've seen it grow dramatically over the years from people not knowing where to meet anyone to, you know, then having sunscreen around for 17 years, it gives people a venue to meet filmmakers from around the country. And, um, you know, as we have more productions coming in, you know, I'm constantly interacting with them and people are constantly calling my office saying, Hey, I want to work, you know, in film somehow, how do I get started? What do I do? And so now, right now I'm able to say, well, we've got all these small little films that need PAs and interns and stuff. If you want to learn how it works, it's a good place to get started. These are great training ground films. They're not, you know, big multi-million dollar films with union crews and that kind of stuff because they can't afford it. So it's a great, they're, they're great projects to work on to sort of, you know, get trained on how the industry works. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I guess another question I, I had about this. So being the film commissioner, being part of the film commission, uh, what what services like do you guys provide to to help out the local filmmakers? Someone coming in and say, hey, I want to make a movie or hey, I want to be a part of a movie. Um, I know there's stuff with you guys being able to find grants and stuff through the state. Uh, can you walk us through a little bit of what that looks like? Yeah, so a lot of what we do. So, you know, we've got a, a location database on our website where, you know, a big part of it is, hey, I'm coming in from out of town and I've got this project that I want to do. Where, where can I shoot this? I don't know what I, you know, where I can, where I can shoot, what locations can I use? And so we help them with locations, with crew, you know, again, someone coming in from out of town, or even if you're local and you need crew, you know, we have a production guide on the website where you can find crew. I need a first AD and I need a script, you know, supervisor and any crew position you're looking for. And a lot of, yeah, we're getting a lot of calls and emails and texts and everything else, you know, looking for crew, um, just resources in general, you know, Hey, I'm trying to find a, a four-wheeler so that we can shoot this particular scene. Where do I find a four-wheeler? I don't know who to rent this from. So anything you can think of logistically to help a production, mm -hmm. you know, we kind of are there to help with that. Um, you know, from a financial perspective, like I was saying, the state of Florida doesn't have a film incentive, but we have a local incentive through my office. And so I've just got a line item in my budget that is film incentive. And, you know, we primarily do feature films, can't really incentivize commercial projects because, money be gone in a day because there's so much commercial work that you know that, that, comes, that comes to the area and they don't need it frankly you know commercials don't need an incentive to film they do whatever you want they're a different financing structure than um than independent features and so there's a whole you know application you can fill out and it's basically whatever you spend you know you're going to get 10 to 20 percent of that back sort of as a rebate for whatever you spent so if you spend four hundred thousand dollars shooting a film you can get anywhere from you know 40 80 you know hundred thousand dollars um, back on your film and that varies depending on you know since we're part of the tourism office um you know and you're shooting a film like okay well we want you to in change your script and change the name of you know the city that you're shooting in from uh, whatever generic florida city or city somewhere else to clearwater or st pete or dunedin or safety harbor like actually call it the name of the city we want to see some great drone shots in there that shows how pretty it is around here so put in all these tourism elements and by putting those elements in your film then you can get more than that standard 10 percent of whatever just your just your spend is basically oh wow that's pretty good yeah, yeah. Uh, mr gavin do you have any questions <clears throat> well that's kind of uh that was kind of one of my leading into one of my questions of you know uh tampa is definitely you know a huge growing city now you know we're getting everything from uh you know we've got three sports um teams here we've got uh, just growing um, community of, you know, even in investments, commercial opportunities, you know, yeah. people, people uprooting their, 
their headquarters and moving to Florida and, and particularly in the Tampa area. Uh, are you getting any kind of incentive to, you know, promote that for the film industry as well? Um, you know, try to attract any more, any studios particularly, or is it just individual projects? Um, no. So when it comes to studio stuff and studio projects or anything, you know, like a Warner Brothers, HBO, Netflix, that kind of stuff, it frankly, it will never happen without a state film incentive. They're just, the dollars are too small. There's no incentive that we could possibly give them that, you know, hey, I'm going to bring a $50 million project in here. How, how much can you give me? Well, my max is $250,000. So... <laughs> 250 grand on a 50 million or 15 or 10 or even 5 million doesn't make any difference. So go to a state where if you spend 5 million, you're going to get, you know, 20% of that back, you know, to get a million dollars back. That's uh, that goes a long way. If you're spending 50 million and you're going to get $10 million back or more, uh, there's no way, there's no way we can, you know, we can match that. And so that's why you see, you know, Georgia being as busy as it is and Ohio and Louisiana and okay. all these other states with incentives. So it's literally impossible to get any sort of studio large project without a state incentive. Now I say literally impossible with a caveat being that occasionally, occasionally that you will get something like uh, shooting in Miami and the Florida Keys right now is a TV series called Bad Monkey, and that stars Vince Vaughn, and it's an Apple TV or an Apple Plus project. I get confused whether it's Apple TV, Apple Plus, whatever they're calling their, you know, their TV <laughs> thing. And uh, the reason that they're shooting it there is because you can't really fake the Florida Keys for anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And the guy who has created that particular show just has that kind of power where he can say, I want this to happen here. But it doesn't happen very often. And then Usually after they do one season, they end up going somewhere else because because what happens is here here's kind of a little trick that they'll do is like they'll come shoot one season in Florida and then the state of California has this new incentive program with close to four hundred million dollars or something like that, where if you bring a TV series to California that's originally shot in another state, they give you a bunch more money. So it's basically a way of getting California to give you more money if you shoot somewhere else first and so florida has sort of become this little hey we'll shoot it in florida and then we'll go get more money out of california because, we, <laughs> because we're going to relocate there they did that with uh ballers the ballers tv series that was shooting in miami with uh I remember that one, yeah. dwayne johnson moved there last season to la and the show that last season was horrible i don't know if anybody watched it <laughs> it was a complete turd and I blame it on shooting in L.A. because L.A. is nowhere near as cool as, uh, as Florida. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Absolutely, absolutely true. not. <laughs> I just wish, just based on what you said, I'm going to be a little funny about this. I wish they, that's how it would work with the housing market right now. Just get everybody <laughs> yeah, right? back, back out. They're all moving here now. Yeah. So, I yeah. know, and dri driving our real estate prices through the roof. I know, man. It's insane. <sighs> so we got a call to Santa's about the, about the film budget. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, so did you have a question? Real quick? No, no, okay, because no. I wanted to jump in on a couple things. So in, in our fashion, we'll talk, we'll get back to also get some more info from you, but I don't just want to drill and be like, hey, question, question, question. Um, for our show, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to it before, but uh, we kind of have a lot of topics to talk about all sorts of different movies, uh, basically 
that's it. Like actors, directors, genres, yeah. whatever you can think of. We talk about it. Yeah, we're not complex here. No, <laughs> no, we're very simple. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, from from a guy in movies, from a film commissioner, what what is your like favorite genre? I'm, I'm gonna get a little personal on that end. Like, what what do you enjoy? Um, I mean, you know, I like a little bit of everything. But I mean, you know, look, I'm a child of the '80s. You know, I grew up in I grew up in the '80s, and so if it's a if it's um you know Raiders Lost Ark, my favorite film of all time. Um, you know, I literally, I saw that the new Top Gun is going to be opening uh, the Cannes Film Festival in May. And so I'll be there in May for the Cannes Film Festival. And so, so I watched Top Gun last night just for the hell of it, because <laughs> it's never a bad time to watch Top Gun, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I love all those, you know, 80s blockbuster pop fun movies like that. And, you know, the modern ones, all the you know, the Marvel and Star Wars and everything. But at the same time, I love a film like uh, Run Lola Run, which is this independent German film from 1997. I don't know if you ever saw it or not. Anybody familiar with that one? Uh, I haven't. I've heard of it, but I have not seen it. Like, yeah, you should check it out. You should check it out. It's really cool. Uh, Franco Potenta is the German actress who's in that one, who she went on and starred in The Born Identity with, um, with Matt Damon when that film first came out. She was the female lead in that particular film, but you know, Run Lola Run's kind of the film that made her, that, you know, made her career take off, uh, take off from there. And uh, that's, it's a cool film. It's one of those, you know, sort of day repeats over and over again films. Mm -hmm. So that's a genre that I love any kind of, um, you know, Groundhog Day type, type storyline, I think are a lot of fun. And I like seeing that mixed up in different, uh, in different genres, um, you know, whether it's like a, you know, random independent film like Run Lola Run or, or whatever it might be. So there's a, there's a bunch of, um, you know, there's a bunch of genres that I like. I don't have one particular favorite. So I'm kind of mm. all I'm kind of all over the board. Yeah, it's kind of kind of how we are, but we do have certain areas. Like oh, I'm, yeah. I'm a like a suspense thriller, one of those you know mess with your mind type movies makes you think. Like I don't know if you've seen Memento. Yeah, of course. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, so stuff like that, like anything that really makes you sit down and think, or identity, so so on and so forth. You know, a crazy person. Yeah, <laughs> Patrick here does not like horror, so he's that's his genre. He does not like. I'll literally watch anything else. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm not a horror guy. Now there are the occasional horror theme things I like. So supernatural TV series, you know, that's technically oh, yeah. like a horror that. show, but it's not really horror. It's not like Saw or something like that. Um, but, you know, like Evil Dead 2, you know, I mean, hey, that's a fun, fun horror movie. So maybe like horror comedy I'll, I'll deal with. But anything that's like straight horror and gore, I'm like, pass. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the only exception I had is Cabin in the Woods. I genuinely. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so kind of speaking along that line, like kind of goofy, funny horror. I, have you seen? I don't I personally don't know myself and I haven't done a whole lot of research on it either. But like the the trauma team. You know, like Lloyd yeah. Kaufman. Have, have yep. they done stuff here? Do you know? They they have not done stuff here, but I actually met that that whole team in Cannes a few years ago, and they're a wild they're a wild bunch, that's for sure. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, but they uh, yeah they've got that niche that they do, and you know they'll um, they haven't done anything locally. I talked it with them about it about trying to get them here to do something, but mm -hmm. the stuff they shoot is so low budget. I mean, oh yeah, super super low budget. But you know they've got an audience for it, so got at least one viewer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. I like those stupid, crazy ones, man. But you're absolutely right. They're they're super, super low budget. I think even wrote multiple books on like how to make a movie out of nothing or with nothing or something like yeah. that. But I it's, it's hard because part part of it is with something like that is you just can't pay people. You know, basically everybody works for free. 
you know, and you do it because you want to get together a group of friends and just crazy people and make a, and make a movie. Um, but then, you know, when you get to a point, if you're like, if you're trying to bring crew in and actually hire people, mm. it's hard, it's hard because especially in this market, because this is such a strong commercial market, people can make whatever their full commercial rate is as a sound person or a location manager or cinematographer, you know, we're making anywhere 400 to $600 a day. Mm. And here comes an independent film and says, we'll pay you 200 or 250 a day. And they're like, nah, I'll just, I'd rather not work on your little project and you know, work less on commercial projects and make more money. So that's, that's the tough part about, you know, shooting indies in this area, which is why I, I always say that these small ones are great training films for people who just want to get started and learn how the industry works. Okay. Um, do you think that we're talking about budgets and everything? Um, what do you think the, the biggest portion of the cost goes? So if I'm an independent filmmaker, I'm going in to make a movie. Is it more on, like you said, like the crew? Because I, we you know like a lot of people want to just get their name out there or just be on camera. So a lot of times it's probably easier to find actors to work for free as opposed to the crew. But I mean, I know there's like permitting involved. Uh, like, what do you think some of the largest costs come into play? when it's Well, it all depends. I think, well, I hear it depends on a couple of things. One, you know, what, when we say independent film, are you making an independent film that you want just to play film festivals and kind of get out there and do something? And it's a, it's one of your first, first films. It's a business card because you're just getting started in the industry, mm. um, you know, and you're not going to have any name actors in it. Then, you know, food, <laughs> that's always, you know, <laughs> make sure you spend your money on food and feed your crew. Uh, you really well. right. um, <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot of, again, it's, it's so hard to say because we have to talk on scale. What's the scale? Are we talking about a half million dollar film? Or are you talking about a $20,000 film? Yeah. Did we get a freezer? Uh, yeah. Uh, Tony, can you hear us? Or are you talking about a 1 million? Okay. Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. 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 Sorry, we had a little freeze there. Yeah. for a second. <laughs> no problem. Yeah I, yeah, I don't know why. It looks like it's freezing slightly here. So if something goes wrong, let me know. Okay. Um, but yeah, so it, it, really, it really depends, you know, where the budget goes really depends on this on the on the scale of the film that you're making. So if you could drill down and get a little more specific, I might be able to give you a little better answer. Okay, um, I'm, I guess I was thinking more like let's say if you're if you're just looking to just get into a film festival first time, just get your name kind of out there. Like you know, obviously everybody wants to get it distributed at some point, but if your goal is say I I want to make a movie, I want people to see it, and I want to just get it into a film festival. It doesn't matter to me. I've got hundred thousand dollars, hundred fifty thousand dollars, like sure. then kind of in that direction, I guess would be. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it breaks down a lot. People always one thing people always forget is they forget about post production. You know, mm -hmm. no matter, you know, it, it's funny, independent filmmakers, especially independent filmmakers coming out, they're always like, I'm shooting it on the fill in the blank camera. And they forget about sound. And actually being able to finish the movie and do and do post-production of the movie. So they spend all their all their money shooting the film and then they just think that they're just gonna go home and edit it on their souped up computer at home, which in today's world you can edit your feature film, you know, at home like that, but they you don't realize how important sound is and what you need to have done sound-wise to be able to get it distributed or to even to get into film festivals. Like if you were gonna even get a small distribution deal just to get it out. Um, you know, it has to go through QC quality control. So they literally send it to a lab where they test the audio levels and everything. And if it comes back where the audio fails, you don't get distribution. Um, and strictly based on the fact that you don't have your audio 
straight. So you need to save money for post-production for a good sound mix and legal. People always forget about legal. You know, you've got to have your contracts in order as well, even for any kind of distribution. So, and it doesn't have to be super expensive, but save money for legal and save money for, you know, good, a uh, good sound mix and good, you know, uh, post-production. Um, again, even if you're just shooting it, if you're shooting a hundred thousand dollar movie at home, you better save at least $30,000 for your post-production and try and shoot the thing for, you know, $60,000, whatever you're putting into pre-production. So it, it really, it really depends, but um, that's a big thing that uh, filmmakers don't think about. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I remember when I was working on some projects and stuff, they were definitely, you, I kind of made that mistake too. You're kind of in the moment of like, yeah. hey, let's just get it done. And, and which, what we don't think about is get it done is we're not thinking of the big picture done. Like you're saying, like with post-production, we're thinking, let's just get all the scene shot and we'll worry about right. the rest later, you know? And then you find out you need more money to finish it. Now, oh, yeah. how do you go find the money? Deal. Um, I did have a quick question. Um, early in the life of our podcast, we talked with a local um, actress, uh, Krista Saxon, and she also brought up the difficulties of post-production, specifically with distribution. Um, in your role as the film commissioner, do you work with distributors to help the independent films um, get out there? Sort of, you know, not really in my role as film commissioner. It's not what film commissioners do, but I have experience in that realm. And so to a certain extent, I can help uh, give advice or, or guide filmmakers that have a completed <laughs> film. Like I'm what, okay, I got this film and I've finished it and it's done. It's a small independent film. It doesn't have any name actors in it. What can I do to get it distributed? So there's a handful of things you can do from, self-distribution, you know, on platforms like Vimeo and even Amazon Prime, you can get, you know, self-distribution on Amazon Prime. Um, you can use an aggregator and pay $5,000 and be able to get it on Google Play and Amazon and iTunes and all that kind of stuff. And so at least it's out there in the world. Mm -hmm. um, okay. And, and then, you know, depending on what it is, there are, you know, like I said, I could say, well, you should, you should, you know, go to IMDb Pro, look up, you know, these, uh, sales agents and distribution companies and see if somebody can help you out if they're interested in it. But number one question, any sales agent distributor is going to have is, well, who's in it? First question, who, who's in the film? Then they know if they can sell it or not. If there's nobody in it. Tony Arbor's in that film. We're like, yeah, we can't sell that thing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, so a question I had since we talked a little bit about it, I want to make sure we hit on this to kind of also plug it for, for you guys as well is uh, with the film festival coming up, um it's coming up what april 28th through may 1st am i correct you got that? it yep exactly oh. okay and uh again like i said we're looking forward to coming out there and seeing it and and being out there uh is there any any information you can give to people yet or is there about like what's going to be going on there this year or is there yeah the the full schedule is on the website so sunscreenfilmfestival.com full mm -hmm. schedule there and i think we have close to 180 films over the course of the four days um Two films for opening night, you know, our opening night film, seven o'clock on Thursday the 28th is a, a film called Rosé All Day, which is a, a fun independent, um, you know, comedy from uh, uh, produ uh, producers, directors out in California. And a lot of uh, TV actors in that film, like faces you recognize, but not like big household names. Um, so that's a fun one. And then 
just really over the course of the entire weekend, you know, documentaries and short documentaries and short films and action and comedy and horror. And so all the genres that you can think of, you know, spread out over the course of the festival in short and feature format and then workshops. We've got, I think, 12 workshops over the course of the festival on acting and screenwriting and producing and distribution and finance and all that, all that great stuff. And, you know, it's really the best place in the entire Tampa Bay area every single year to meet other filmmakers. The number of projects that have been put together from people meeting at Sunscreen, like I couldn't even count at this point, like every single year, people meet other people, they get together, they create projects. It's really just the best uh, environment, the best place to get out and, uh, and meet people. And we've got some, like some, you know, even if you just want to watch movies because you enjoy films, there's some great films this year. There's a really cool documentary called Waterman. And it is about, I'm going to mess up the last name, like Duke, uh, it's a Hawaiian name. It starts with a K, not Kamehameha, but like, so anyways, I'll have to look it up. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to butcher it. But this guy is literally what you call the the godfather of surfing. So like okay. early, early 1900s, he is this, um, you know, this Hawaiian guy and, you know, is surfing and everything and essentially ends up going to a couple of Olympics as a swimmer. Um, encounters a lot of racism as, uh, you know, at that, that time in the, in the world, you know, he's this brown guy competing in the Olympics against what was just a lot of white people at that time. Um, but travels to Australia and New Zealand where, you know, those are considered big surfing meccas right now. Well, nobody knew how to surf before he got there. Like he literally showed people how to surf. There are statues of him in Australia and New Zealand, um, in his honor as like the person who brought surfing to to new zealand and to australia essentially you know kind of created that culture there mm -hmm. and then you know not to give the entire movie away because it's like i said really phenomenal mm -hmm. phenomenal film and it's narrated by jason momoa um and there's one particular story from that film that like you just you watch it like you can't help but like tear up and almost cry when you're when you're watching this on on film and they did some amazing reenactments in it and so something 1925 or something like that uh, he's in Hawaii, he's on the beach, and there's a massive storm raging, just a crazy storm. Waves are like 20, 25 foot high waves. And there's like a fishing trawler that is a couple of miles out that the storm is so bad, flips this thing over. Well, this guy literally grabs his surfboard and swims out to this trawler in 25 foot waves in a raging storm and saves eight people's lives. Jesus. Wow. Awesome. Back and forth, like out, grabs a couple people, brings them back. Out, grabs a couple people, brings them back and save these guys' lives. And in a storm that flipped a boat over, one man as a swimmer is able to, he's such a strong swimmer, he was able to go out there and do that. And it was the first time anyone had ever used a surfboard for, um, you know, a, like rescue, uh, any sort of rescue thing for a lifeguard rescue type thing. And so after that, that is when people around the world started using surfboards as a lifeguard rescue device because of him. I did not know that. So wow. that's I, didn't, I didn't either until I saw it. So I highly recommend watching that film if you get a chance at Sunscreen. Um, check the schedule. It's a really, really great movie. It's a really, really cool documentary. I loved it. What was the name of it again? It's called Waterman. 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 Yeah. yeah. I just looked it up and um, that does seem like a very interesting movie, especially since Jason Momoa is um, narrating it. I've been a big fan of his since Stargate Atlantis. Huge yeah. sci-fi yeah. nerd. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
the schedule there's um there's a movie called <laughs> Sherwood um after that and the tagline is just what happens to the merry men when Robin Hood goes away and I, I kind of want to see that one too <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a that's like a fun mockumentary um so it's shot mockumentary style very you know Christopher guest best in show type of type type of thing mm-hmm. and I think in that you know um Robin Hood like breaks his foot or something like that and so he can't do his Robin Hood stuff and so it's it's a fun it's a fun comedy you know mockumentary kind of thing so um there's another another fun mockumentary like that called reopening that um that plays on saturday the 30th as well and it's about a little like theater um that reopens uh during the pandemic and it's just silly because it makes fun of the whole thing where it has people like in plastic bubbles trying to act on stage (laughs) (laughs) it's a fun it's a fun little mockumentary that one's uh, that one's good as well oh that's awesome yeah we're looking forward to it because i know you and i have been talking in, in exchange but you know gavin and patrick here been letting them know about our communications and stuff and you know we're super excited to be able to come out there you know thank you again for letting us come out there and, and do that and uh but we're just looking to see a little bit of everything out there while we're there yeah there's a, there's a lot there's a lot of good stuff going on there awesome um i know we got how much how much time do we have that's here? what i'm trying to figure out now <clears throat> i think we have a little bit of time so yeah. <clears throat> just want to make sure before <clears throat> excuse me or you do run out of time Again, as your experience and from both perspectives on things, uh, what did, what kind of advice would you give anybody who just wants to get in film but doesn't really know how to get in film? And I know you mentioned earlier, like kind of do, you know, step into the, kind of the smaller things, do kind of like an intern role. Is there any other advice you can give to any future potential filmmakers um, and kind of how to get started? Yeah, you, you, I mean, honestly, you just have to go do stuff. Like if it's... Um, you know, when you first get started, just go work for free and volunteer on people's projects, volunteer on student projects, volunteer on little short films, you know, whatever, whatever it might be with, with zero experience. And if you're just getting started or even just a little bit of experience, nobody's going to pay you <laughs> to do anything. So you've got to, you've just got to go volunteer, work on some projects. You work with those people if they like you, if they like the way you work and your work ethic and everything, they inevitably will ask you to come work on other projects. And then you just kind of grow from there and make your own stuff. You know, if you want to be a filmmaker, you want to work on other people's projects and see what it's like. You want to make your own stuff, especially nowadays. You can shoot it on your cell phone. Those are excuse, no excuse not to make something. Um, so, I mean, it's not super complicated. You just have to, a lot of people talk and very little, very few people do. So, yeah. you know, stop talking, go do something. Yeah. <laughs> Sound like a grumpy old, grumpy old man. I'm, I'm becoming, you know, really selling into this grumpy old man role as I get older and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember. So one of my, one of my favorite directors, he's not like on the top tier of a list, but Kevin Smith, I, yeah. I just love how, just how he writes in the stories of them. These guys get tired of hearing me talk about them, but I remember <laughs> I, yeah, I've seen a couple of his Q and A's and that was one bit of advice. Very similar. He's like, some guy asked him, you know, he's like, I started writing, but I'm kind of getting writer's blocker. I want to do this, but I got it. He's like, just do it. He's like, just do it. Just finish it. You know, finish your story, write it, go out and do it. Yeah, you have movie. to go, you have to go make garbage. Go make, go make a crappy movie. Your, your first film you're not going to make, is not going to be good. No matter what you think, it's not going to be any good. So just go get the crappy ones out of your system and, you know, and you'll get better as you, uh, as you go along. I think we actually have a panel uh, at the, at the festival this year um, that we titled um, why you should make a bad movie. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, and it's really and really just boils down to 
because everybody has to at some point. You've got to make, you know, Steven Spielberg didn't make E.T. for his first film or Jaws for his first film. He was making other things first and everybody makes, you know, some kind of garbage. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully we improve. Right. I one of the we may have between five and ten minutes left. Okay. So if my math is right. And it might not be. So I'll find out. He's trying to be an analyst in his life. <laughs> yeah, he'll give, he'll give you, it should give us like a one minute warning or something, I think, usually. Oh, yeah. I'm just hoping. But yeah. we downloaded this 20 minutes ago, so we more know. <laughs> All right. Shoestring budget over here. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. All right. Hey, we make it work. We're doing it. That's right. <laughs> Um, is there is there any people that uh, we may know that are going to be out in the festival? Any names that you can give out, or is that going to be on the website, or is that something? Yeah, um, should be should be on the website. Like as you click through the um, on the on the workshops, a lot of the speakers list who who is speaking. So a couple of local names that I think people know: uh, Eugenie Bondurant, who was in the most recent Conjuring film, and uh, she was in the Hunger Games. Um, and has done a done a ton of stuff. Uh, Paul Wilson, whose brother Patrick Wilson, you know, who everybody knows from a name of blockbuster, seems like Patrick's Patrick's in it. But um, Paul has been doing some great stuff lately. He's in a new Nixon TV series. I can't, I'm not sure if that's on HBO Max or Showtime or something like that. He actually plays Richard Nixon, and uh, he was in The Conjuring as well. Uh, we've got a great actress coming down from New York named Rana Roy, and Rana has a short film in the festival. It's a really good short, but she's an actress. Uh, up in New York that is on a ton of television like you just look at her credits and she's on all kinds of TV shows and constantly working she's really she's really great um same thing some of the a couple of the directors for uh some of the films we have Rosé All Day and uh Pretty Problems Kester Pantera who directed that film longtime TV actress done a, done a ton of television as well so we have some very experienced people no you know you know, big names like John Travolta when we had uh, we had him, you know, back uh, several years ago or whatever. None of those big names that blow you away. Um, but a lot of, you know, very good, very talented and, you know, doing a lot of work in the industry type of uh, type of people. Okay. Now, that's very cool. Now, so speaking of that. In in your career and in starting the festival or even before the festival, has there been any like, you know, just major fan crush of person you've gotten to meet that you always wanted to meet that's been in film? Have you? Um, no, you know, it's weird now that, I mean, I'm generally pretty calm, you know, when I meet the different celebrities and stuff, but we did in 2014, we did a whole event with George Takei, uh, which was really cool. And I just remember thinking, you know, when I'm driving around with George the one day and we're doing all these different things and I have dinner with him, and we did this whole like Q and a kind of thing. And I'm like, this is Sulu. I get to hang out with Sulu, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and, you know, growing up, I was a huge and still love original 1960s Star Trek. To me, that's still the best, the best Star Trek. Um, and so to be like, you know, this is, this is pretty cool. And, you know, when driving around and just talking to him and you would say something or you see something out the window and it's not like a made up kind of thing. He would, you know, his, oh my, (laughs) totally not made up at all. Like that's actually how he talks and, and what he does. He was such a nice guy and he was really great. Um, so he was a lot of fun uh, to hang out with. And that was kind of cool again, because, you know, from being a little kid and watching Star Trek and then you're like, wow, this is George Takei. Awesome. <laughs> I know of at least one of our fans are going to be really excited to hear that story. <laughs> <laughs> 
what else you got? You got anything no, else no. you wanted to no, no. info? Yeah. Info? Kevin, you? Uh, well, uh, with all the projects, and if we have time to get it in, what is uh, what's probably the craziest thing that uh, has happened to you while you've been on set on any of your projects? Um, well, when we were shooting Birdie the Dolphin in 2017, it's a as you can tell by the title, it's a movie about a dolphin. And we were five days in shooting and lost our dolphin and didn't have a dolphin for the movie. Oh man! And so, <laughs> so we had to so we had to scramble and get the dolphin for the film. And it's not like you can just you know go down to Clearwater Beach and throw a line in the water or something and like grab a dolphin for your movie. <laughs> uh, doesn't it doesn't quite work that way so you know scramble you know calling um all the different aquariums and stuff all over the state of florida and managed to hook up with um marine land in saint augustine area and they've got a great facility there for you know rehabbing dolphins and uh they've got 14 dolphins over there and the place the, the place that's now marine land aquarium was originally where they shot the creature of the black lagoon back in like the 1950s and oh, wow. so so anyways, after, you know, kind of make a long story short, hopped in the car, drove to St. Augustine with the producers, met with them, negotiated, being able to use uh, Marine Land, change the name of the place in, in the film to Marine Land, change it to St. Augustine, just so that, you know, hey, you guys can get the marketing value of having, you know, Marine Land and all this Bernie the Dol in these Bernie the Dolphin films that were released by Lionsgate and available on Hulu and, and everything else. And so yeah, that was, you know, I don't know if you consider that like a crazy story, but when you're shooting a movie about a dolphin and you don't have one five days into shooting it's a yeah, little stressful you know it's probably the greatest yeah. sentence of this interview yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. we lost our dolphin <laughs> who was in charge of watching the dolphin yeah. <laughs> that's it you're fired <laughs> oh that's great man but um i mean overall i think let me ask you this um how have you seen, even in big studio, have, have movies changed? Because we asked that with Krista when, mm. when we had around there, like, uh, because now technology is very there. I mean, you can do a lot yeah. of stuff, CGI and everything. Have, have you seen, like, there's any kind of decline on the quality of the rest of the film? Meaning, like, hey, yeah, whenever I mean, on a good story or acting, we've got the special effects. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to settle into my grumpy old man role here and just say that I think, you know, films have declined in quality over the years. And of course, you know, cameras are great and special effects are great and they look great. But I think the stories kind of suck. Uh, they're all the same, like literally all the same. And you you'd probably say that going back many years, but they're so generic. And, you know, even though the Marvel films are a lot of fun, everybody likes them. Uh, you watch those sometimes and you'd be like, this entire film is animated. It's, maybe it's photorealistic animation, but this is literally an animated film. This is not, you know, yes, you've got actors in there. But how much are those actors actually acting and how much is it just CGI? Um, and how much of the story can you literally predict from the very beginning? You start watching the film and two minutes in, you're like, I know this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. And that's a function of um, story structure a lot of times. And we've all watched so many films over the year. You just know what the Hollywood story structure is, the three act structure and how they plug all the all the pieces in. I think writing has gotten lazy. Um, so, you know. Many complaints about the modern industry of uh, of filmmaking, but um, <laughs> you know, I don't know what you know. That's why I think in, uh, supporting independent filmmakers, independent film is so important because you want these different, unique voices and stories to be told. And something like you know, when Clerks came out, you know, in '94, Kevin Smith made that film. Um, 
you know, it was just this weird little film, but it was different at the same time. And people obviously connected with it and connect with his style of storytelling and the types of stories that, uh, that he likes to tell. No, absolutely. And, and I'm, I'm a big fan of mainly because of I'm, I'm a big dialogue heavy movie type person. Like I can, I've been telling guys like this for a while now, even if it's two guys like my dinner with Andre or something like that, you can yeah. have two people in a room or just a couple people in a room and just the conversations that they have. And that's what I like about a lot of those psychological thrillers and stuff is that usually it's people locked in a room, some kind of mental test. And then you just see kind of what, what goes on in their heads and, and, that's what drives the movie. I mean, there's no special effects or in one room or maybe two rooms, but you have to be caught into it by the conversation. And being yeah, drunk. no, yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. You like, you know, things like that. I, I think, you know, one of, one of the best films that I think that's come out in the last few years was once upon a time in Hollywood. Um, okay. And, you know, Tarantino, you know, some of his films are great. Some of his films, not so good, but I don't know that film for some reason just really resonated with me. I just really love that that movie and when it didn't win best picture and lost parasite and parasite was all right i don't think it was great by any means no. um but for that to beat once upon a time in hollywood for best picture i was like come on i didn't bother watching the oscars this year i was like this is a joke <laughs> <laughs> well you've already seen the news so you didn't miss anything yeah no yeah. no oh yeah the next morning it's great you just see the highlights you see uh you know chris rock getting smacked and yeah. <laughs> seeing the whole show that's all you need to know that's it, that's it. i heard that uh that he just uh, resigned from the academy the other day or something yep. oh will smith yeah, yeah yeah i mean so what it means he can't vote for the academy awards anymore I mean, yeah i know right a big big penalty for him <laughs> but, and also i think they put like two or three of his projects on hold yeah i, I read that too that yeah. a couple projects got put on hold yeah yeah he'll write it out i mean you know wait a year and then you know he's not going away he's know? will smith he's not going to be hurting for the money he'll just yeah, move in exactly. with his auntie and uncle in bel-air and everything will be okay <laughs> yeah. right yeah awesome man uh yeah you got anything else because i know we're getting close up here to time um but i just wanted to say patrick you good or you got yeah. anything else for right now but um again i want to make sure so we don't get cut off that we have a little you know any kind of closing so we just want to thank you again for joining us uh, for movie talks and chill in this episode and you know we'll talk more soon and definitely look forward to seeing you on the you know at the festival and everything are you going to be there all four days are you going to be there oh yeah no all all day every day all day every day <laughs> <laughs> so i'll be i'll be around i'll be able to pop in and say a few words and be good you know we can grab some of the filmmakers some of the films that'll that'll be there for you to talk to an interview as well because it's always uh it's always a lot of fun a lot of unique uh interesting people to talk to that's fantastic. We really, again, we're super excited about it. And thank you again for doing this interview. I think we had a lot of good information. Yeah. Um, you know, I've talked to you before, but I definitely got a lot more um, insight as to what, you know, more the behind the scenes for what you do and everything. So we just wanted to thank you for joining us. And um, I guess we'll see you at the film festival. All right. We'll see you in a few weeks. All right. Thanks, Tony. Hey, thank All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. Well, that was Mr. Tony Armour, uh, film commissioner for the St. Pete Clearwater area, also co-founder of the Sunscreen Film Festival, which we will be attending. Uh, but that's it for this episode, guys. Uh, thanks again for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week. For Movie Talks and Chill, we're your hosts. I'm Tony Serrato. I'm Gavin Butts. I'm Patrick Wall. All right, guys. Take care. Don't forget, guys, you can visit us at our website, movietalksandchill.com. Email us at talktous at movietalksandchill.com or find us on our YouTube channel. Uh, you can also follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Movie Talks and Chill. You can listen to us on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, 
Pocket Cast, Radio Public, coming soon to Apple Podcasts, CastBox, and Overcast. New episodes available every Wednesday. Talk to you then. Theme music for our podcast was composed, arranged, and performed by Paul The Rock.